turn on the... We have all these different microphones, one for worship, one for um, the live stream, and then one for the podcast, trying to keep track of all of them. And uh, so, and again, Roger's been playing with all of this, hoping to simplify it for you guys on our website. Hopefully, uh, did you quite fix it to where they can just go to the website and then tap on each particular teaching? All the ones after, all the ones after the fact. Okay, okay. All right, good. So things are uh, simplified a little bit. For you guys, I think it's become a little more difficult for Roger, but he's been uh, looking at uh, tutorials and things to make all this work better for the church. So I want to thank him. And again, that's why we pay him the big bucks. And so I really appreciate Roger. And thanks again for for doing some worship for us. And we'll do some more at the end. Um, So yeah. Also... um, Uh, As a reminder, we're memorizing Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to verse 21, and that's what we're doing on Thursday nights, is we're going through one of those verses each night. Uh, Last week we did verse 9, we're doing verse 10 tonight, and I think that all of us are capable of memorizing one verse a week, and uh, so join us in doing that. So, well, I don't think I have anything else to do or to mention uh, I, I guess I would want mention one more thing. There are a few people in the church that are pretty sick right now. Um, I don't know if it's COVID-19 or what, and I'm not sure that I have permission to share their name. But anyway, be praying for them, and, um, and I'll keep you posted on how they're doing. So anyway, let's uh, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21, and then uh, we'll look closer at verse 10. I want to read the whole section to you again. And as I said before, we're in, in, uh, I'm using the English Standard Version, the ESV. So let's begin. Paul says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, well, let's pray again. Father, we love you. And uh, Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your Holy Spirit who is always with us, who dwells in us to encourage us, to affirm us that we are the children of God. Uh, Lord, especially in times like these when things are just so strange. And uh, we just pray that you would continue to minister to our hearts, that you would use your word to encourage us. And... um, Yeah, and then in spite of the circumstances that we have, that we could still maintain fellowship, Lord. And uh, and we do thank you, Lord, that the the teaching of the word can continue and just the practice of our faith. 
So Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, look again at verse 10, which is our verse for tonight. He says, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Now, in the first sentence, Paul uses two words for love that are different, but they are similar. Uh, The first is uh, philostorgos. Uh, It's used, uh, rather, it's a word used for family affection, the fondness that we have uh, for a relative who's dear to us. So we might say that this is kindred affection. And the second is actually a more common word. It's Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fraternal affection, not to be confused, of course, with uh, Cain's affection for Abel. A, a biblical example of brotherly love, though the two were not related, is the relationship between David and Jonathan. Um, they loved each other, they were loyal to one another, they protected each other, provided for one another, they spoke well of each other. In fact, even after Jonathan was dead, uh, David was uh, taking care of Jonathan's family. Uh, and so they genuinely loved each other even though they weren't related. And that's a good example of brotherly love. And no blood relation is necessary for the application or really for the exercise of this sort of love that Paul is talking about. And Paul is saying that this kind of affection that we should be exercising toward those in the, uh, excuse me, Paul is saying that this is the kind of love that we should be exercising toward those that are in the faith. So we might say that this is church love. This is the fellowship loving itself. Now, sadly, though, not everyone has been treated with this level of affection in the fellowship of believers, and that's why Paul has to remind us, all is not well in the life of the church, not in any church, uh, as long as there's people in that church. And really, because instead of showing preference for all people, uh, we, we all have our favorites, uh, which leave some in the body less loved than others, or perhaps not even loved at all. It's common to human nature. I think it's even understandable, like many other sins, but uh, what is understandable isn't necessarily acceptable. And, and, and that's just the thought, uh, the fact that within the fellowship of God's people, that thought of them not being loved should make us feel yucky. Now, it is true that some people are, are obviously more difficult to love than other people. And for whatever reason, they require more effort than others. And in fact, it's easier just to let them be. And I think that as I talk about this, I'm sure that everybody has someone in mind. And uh, in fact, some, someone may have uh, had you in mind, <laughs> as I was saying that. And I know that there's probably a handful of people that probably had me in mind, but maybe I have you in mind. Who knows? Every one of us uh, presents a challenge to someone else and someone else to us. And I think that that's actually good. It doesn't sound good, but I think it's good because God has placed difficult people in our path to demonstrate not the problem with them, but the deficit of love that's within us. Uh, God has appointed those people, I think, really to demonstrate that love has not been perfected in us, that we have not achieved the degree of love that is consistent with Jesus's. Whenever somebody in the body is neglected, it's evidence of a malady, and 
the malady resides in, in us. So having those people in our fellowship is really essential to the health of the body. Otherwise, we'd be oblivious to what ails us. So Jesus uses people like that in our lives to diagnose the disease in us so that we can be healed. So I think we should be thankful for those people. So it's healthy just to think of that person that you were thinking of as I was talking about it. Maybe it's people's. So you can accurately identify the disease within yourself, the disease called a lack of love and a want of Christ-likeness. And then all of us need to humble ourselves and we need to repent. Ask God to change our heart and then grant us the grace to be kindly affectionate and exercise brotherly love toward them. And even if you're not feeling it, go love on them, encourage them and be a blessing to them. And the more that you do it, I think that it becomes easier to love those people. And understand this, the more difficult it is for you to love that person, the greater your disease. The greater your disease. Okay? Look at the Gospels, for example. Uh, Jesus was inconvenienced by difficult and needy people all day, every day, all the time. And, and, and you never hear him like sort of sigh or complain, at least not about the people. Sometimes he, you would find him growing weary uh, because his disciples, they just seemed beyond learning at times. But Jesus was patient, and he was, he was very loving with the people who were so needy. There was one instance in three and a half years where he tried to get away from uh, all of the noise and find some peace and quiet. He had just gotten the news that his cousin John was murdered, and so you can't really blame him for wanting some, some quiet time. But as soon as he, he arrived at what was otherwise a deserted place, 5,000 people just began to surround him, and, uh, and 5,000 only actually accounted for the men. Women and children were present, but they weren't counted. And instead of Jesus pushing them away or sort of evading them, it says that his heart was filled with compassion, and then he began to heal their sick. But then there's more to this. After spending the whole day with them, and even after his disciples were really fed up with them, and they just wanted them to go away, uh, Jesus fed them dinner. So talk about people who are difficult to love. These people could only think about their own needs. They had no consideration for Jesus's, and yet Jesus had compassion for them. He healed their sick, and he fed them dinner. And from the story, we can tell that this was all at Jesus's expense. And what we see is that Jesus elevated the needs of people above his own and would do that because there was no disease in himself to hinder him. Nothing to hinder him. He just loved people. And that leads us to the second part of Romans 12.10 where Paul says, Outdo one another in showing honor. As you love one another with brotherly affection, he says, do it by outdoing them in showing honor. Honor. Now, some of you are competitive. Hey, every chance you get, you like to outdo others, whether it's on the court or on the field, in the classroom or in the office. You're just competitive. And you even spiritualize it by saying, I'm just doing it all unto the Lord with all of my might. With all of my might. Well, that may be true, but you're still competitive, which I think makes this exhortation from Paul perfect for you. It required for all of us, but perfect for you. Now, the word honor means to place a value on something, to esteem it or to appraise it. 
Here it means to place a value on people by esteeming them, specifically other Christians, and preferably those Christians who pose a challenge to your spirituality. These are the people who are difficult for us to love. Whoever they are, those kinds of people that just the thought of them sort of exhausts us, which makes this verse seem so unreasonable and demanding on us. Well, I hope to reason with you about this. And to do that, let's, let's ask and answer a few questions to understand this better. First, why should we honor people by valuing them? And second, what value should we place on them? So the first one, why should we honor people? The right answer is found in Genesis 1.26, saying, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to to our likeness. So every person is endowed with the image of God, an image that is holy and excels every other image. And therefore, his image in man should be honored and it should be protected. And this is actually why God forbids murder, as uh, Genesis 9, 6 says. He says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. So homicide is an attack on the image of God, which is why we have this sacred obligation to protect human life, whether that life is found in the womb or it's out of the womb. It's not a a political issue. Uh, It's a moral and theological one. God takes it very personable uh, when people are murdered because it's an attack on him, and nothing could justify such an attack. But there's more to this. Uh, Because man is created in the image of God, which is worthy of honor, Christians are forbidden to slander other people. Because to slander them is to slander the image of God in them. James says that with our tongue, we bless our God and Father. With it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. James 3, 9 through 10. You cannot slander a person, James is saying, without slandering God. So as other Americans have their freedom of speech, we as Christians do not. For how could we slander the image of the one who created and redeemed us? His image is sacred, and we we dare not desecrate what is holy above all things. Now this mandate uh, does not exclude somehow politicians They're not somehow a special case for slander, regardless of the vile things they may do for evil and personal gain. So, Christian, you really got to watch your tongue. Yeah. So why would we honor people, even when people are so dishonorable? There's one reason. They bear the sacred image of our God. And if we love them as we ought, as Jesus does, we will do our best through the ministry of the gospel to help them live worthy of that sacred image. But in order to do that, we're going to have to honor them first. Now to our second question. What value should we place on others? How much honor should we bestow on them? Well, how valuable is the image of God to you? That's really the question, I think. And understand this. How you treat people is a demonstration of how much you honor the image of God. How you treat people is a demonstration of how much you honor the image of God. See, we cannot separate the image of God from man in order to avoid honoring them. If we could, people would cease to be human 
And we have neither the ability nor the right to dehumanize what God has made in his image. So how should we honor them? Well, Paul said this another way to the Philippians, saying, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Now, in case that translation rubs you the wrong way, let me give it to you in the NASB. There it says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Well, if that doesn't sit right with you, let me, let me try the ESV. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That puts a whole new spin on who your significant other might be, because Paul says, it's just others. It's, it's everyone else. Now think about that. Imagine a church filled with people like that. What would society look like? Who wouldn't want to live there? Okay. Nothing done out of selfish ambition. Everyone considering everyone else more important than themselves. That just sounds heavenly. So how much honor should we show to others? Well, for starters, we should show them more honor than we show ourselves. But then we must consider the honor that must be shown because of the image of God in them. We must honor them in light of their created dignity and at times looking past their personality to the faint image of God that is sometimes barely recognizable. This, just is, this isn't just out of obedience to God. This is, this is actually how we honor God. So let, us, so let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, Hold fast to what is good, loving one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another in showing honor. So as things change in our society because of the current distress and there's, there's no toilet paper on the shelf and spam is the only available preserve and the grocery line goes all the way to Afghanistan and the stock market is in a downward spiral, we're going to be tempted to show honor for ourselves even at the expense of others. So let us... Resist the temptation and bestow love and honor to where God says we ought. And when we show preference for others, God will be glorified. Instead of being self-centered, let us be other-centered and trust God to take care of us, which he is faithful to do. So I hope uh, this verse, uh, the time that we've had together, I hope it comes as a challenge to you as it does for me. Uh, Apparently, I think we have some growing to do in the grace of God, which is quite normal. So let's encourage one another, let's be praying for each other, and uh, let's let this time that we're living in uh, prove us to be more like Christ. So in conclusion, uh, I'm going to have Roger come back, we're going to do some more worship together, and then we'll see you guys Sunday. All right, Lord bless you guys, love all of you, and can't wait to see you. Bye-bye.